Absolute Radio Country is filled with the best sounds from Nashville 24 hours a day. But even we can't fit in everything. You'll find the full story right here. This is Country Music Talk, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the world of country music. Welcome to the Country Music Talk podcast. We are backstage at the Long Road Festival for this episode where I'm going to catch up with the legend, Marty Stewart. So Marty Stewart was already on the lineup, but at the last minute, the Saturday headliner, Chris Young, dropped out with less than 48 hours to go because of COVID in his band. Now, Marty Stewart, being the legend that he is, stepped up, doubled his set time to two hours, and inspired by what he does at the Ryman every year, the late night jam, where him and his band invite special guests on stage and they just have a two-hour party. He recreated that for the first time ever outside of Nashville for the Long Road Festival. Now, in addition to being a legend, he is also an all-around nice guy, an extremely snazzy dresser, and as you will find, a really good talker as well. Enjoy. This is the Country Music Talk Podcast from Absolute Radio Country. It's Baylen Leonard on Absolute Radio Country. My guest, the one, the only absolute legend, Marty Stewart. Hi, Baylen. Oh, it's so good I, to see you again. I like your digs. Oh, nice thank place. You. <laughs> thank you. It must be nice to be back in the UK and everything feeling a little bit more normal for you now. Absolutely. I love the audience over here. They get it. They listen, right? They listen. And the other thing I appreciate about the European audience is like, you can't run out and see, you know, country music every day. And when it finally does come around, I think I feel the appreciation and it works both ways. You know, thinking about your career, you've worked with some of the greats. Did you feel like you were learning from people like Johnny Cash, Porter Wagner? You know, were you learning from them or, or did you already feel like, yeah, we're a community, we're on a level together? I felt like I knew those people. Before. I mean, I got to Nashville when I was 13. Yes. But me and my dad on Saturday afternoons would watch the Porter Wagner show and the Grand Ole Opry TV show. There was a series of 30-minute syndicated television shows mm -hmm. that played in our region. And my dad and I shared a love for that kind of music and those people. So those sparkling costumes and those story songs and the famous-looking instruments, I felt like they were family before right. I ever hit town. But I realized early on as a very young musician, it was, it was university. It was going to school every single day. And I wish every young artist or picker or songwriter or bus driver or manager that came comes through Nashville could start the way I did because it has served me for a lifetime. But you know, you are now that person that yeah. these young artists and these artists that are growing their careers not only are looking up to and being inspired by, but are learning from and learning from either from a distance or actually learning from on stage with you at your late night jam or at something like the long road when you invite people up. Well, it's about passing it on. I look at people like Ricky Skaggs or Vince Gill and myself. We're in that position. It's our turn, as you say. My wife, Connie, and I, we always look for young artists, singers, songwriters, pickers, whatever, that we can share a word of encouragement with, lend a helping hand, whatever. It's so important when you're trying to get started to have somebody that has no agenda, yeah. no dog in the hunt, only wants your best interest and to move it all forward. And it's, and it's a great thing to share it. Now, speaking of uh, your lovely wife, Connie, you, you both, uh, you collect quite a bit of, of things. And <laughs> yeah. when I was in Nashville for CMA Fest, I was at a lovely party at your manager's John office. Yeah, jo I was at jo John was kind enough to invite me to the office where uh, on display was an 
absolute treasure trove of just I'm 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 told a very small portion. That's where that stuff went. Of your collection. <laughs> yeah, he didn't tell you. It's been missing. <laughs> He's got it. Okay. But I mean, you know, Patsy Klein's shoes. I mean, just I could I could name many things, but every single thing that I saw took my breath away you know handwritten lyrics from some of the greats like what got you into to collecting all of this stuff and I know the last time that we spoke which was a while ago you wanted to have a permanent place where you could display this stuff and that people could come so tell us how you got into it and what's the state of play with it now the truth of it is is those people you're talking those old-timers that raised me mm. And that was, I started in 1972. So about 1980, here comes Urban Cowboy and all that. So everything changed. Mm -hmm. The whole landscape of country music changed. And the old timers were kind of disregarded and put out to pasture or relegated to late spots at the Grand Ole Opry or something. But they looked important to me. It was like family. And I, I, the first piece that I bought in Nashville was Patsy Cline's makeup kit for 75 bucks in a junk shop. I thought, this is wrong. And right after that, uh, I was in Johnny Cash's band and we came to London and I heard a southern accent on the street and I stopped and I said where are you from the guy said Memphis and it was Isaac Tigret and Isaac was one of the co-founders of the Hard Rock Cafe Oh, okay. so he took me into the Hard Rock London and I looked at all the things on the wall the Beatles the Stones the Who and I, all the way back to America I thought but so is Porter Wagner stuff mm. and Hank Williams stuff and Johnny Cash's stuff that important and I started making a list and it started in my bedroom and they got a little warehouse, several warehouses. Now we're building a cultural center around it in Mississippi called the Congress of Country Music. And it's happening. The Ellis Theater, which is phase one, the Old City Theater, opens this December the 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, our first shows, and we're off. And then we build the educational space and the exhibit space. But it's so important for guys like you that come to America to have different places to broadcast and you know do your thing from so you're you're in oh, if you would so care to be you know? i would love to be you're and in. i'm there i anytime you need me you can be there. our foreign correspondent <laughs> i will do that from bristol yes yeah foreign, foreign from england bristol. <laughs> or tennessee or virginia hey let's speak about bristol actually because um that's a good connection that we have my hometown bristol tennessee uh, you know very very much an important piece of country music history i know that you have close connections and close uh can we say love of Bristol? Without question. I think the first time we met, actually in person, we were talking about the documentary about Bristol and the birthplace of country music. Can you tell people the importance of Bristol, Tennessee? Well, Bristol, Tennessee is it was called the birthplace of country music because in 1927, there was some recording sessions staged at a hat works shop, I believe, Taylor Hat Works, right? Yes. An old building downtown, they set up a makeshift recording studio. And that week, and during that session, the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers and Pop Stoneman and several other people uh, came by and recorded. And it formed, in my opinion, and what Johnny Cash called the big bang of country music, the downbeat of the country music industry. And so that's almost 100 years strong now. And to me, Bristol is a spiritual touchstone to our culture and our people. Uh, the ever-going, ever-evolving scene of country music. And one of the things that you, you might appreciate is that, and when I got involved in my home state of Mississippi down there, one of the things that I helped get started was the historic country music trail. Because yes. when you drive across the state line of Mississippi, it says birthplace of America's music, and they can back that up. But uh, we placed a historical country music trail marker in Bristol from Mississippi, and to return the, the beauty of it, on opening day, 
in Philadelphia, Mississippi, my hometown, there will be an unveiling of a Bristol sign in Philadelphia, Mississippi. And it says, in, in warm friendship, Bristol's the birthplace of country music salutes Marty Stewart's Congress of Country Music, the spiritual home of country music in the Magnolia State. So I'm very proud of that. That's a great honor. Oh, that, that actually gave me goosebumps. That's I love cool. that. Thank you. Well, it is such an honor, A, to see you again. It's always a complete joy and pleasure to talk to you. And thank you for honoring us by being here at the Long Road Festival. And I can't wait to see you again. Anytime. All the best. All the best. Love your place. Thank you. The Country Music Talk podcast from Absolute Radio Country. An in-depth look behind the scenes at the world of country music. Thank you so much for joining me for this special edition of the Country Music Talk podcast backstage at the Long Road Festival in England. If you like what you hear, please give us a like, share it with your friends who might be into country or Americana music, and if you haven't already, please subscribe, and I'll see you next time, and remember, keep it country. If you enjoy the Country Music Talk podcast, chances are you'll also enjoy Absolute Radio Country. It's the place where real music matters, and we love country music just as much as you do. You'll find us online on the free Absolute Radio app on digital radio throughout the UK, or just ask your smart speaker to play Absolute Radio Country. 